exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studios in Lake Wales, Florida home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowlers Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show was regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because, quote, people need to know what you know, end quote. This PBA and Bowling Writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002. 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, The Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company. Well, Phantom fans, this week's guest has been here before, but we need to update his info. His resume Mm -hmm. is a powerful one, including him being a three-time PBA Tour National Champion, a nine-time PBA Regional Champion, a world-class and respected USBC Gold Coach, a member of several Halls of Fame, including the prestigious USBC. He's a great friend, husband, and father. And Phantom fans, here is Bill Spikner. How you doing, Bill? Good to hear you this morning. Hey. hey, Phantom. It's great to talk to you again. It's been quite a while, and I follow all your shows, and I listen to every one of them. And, uh, you know, it's uh, lately it's a trip down memory lane with Larry and Billy and uh, everybody and doing all this stuff on guys that I remember from way back in the day when I started bowling and bowled on tour. Pretty cool stuff. Well, thanks, you know, and I've been looking back in the archives and, you know, uh, you haven't fallen through the cracks because I look at your website all the time. I'm looking in the past. I'm never going to let anything go by without uh, reliving some kind of history. But uh, I want to welcome you back to the show and before we get too far into this edition, I want to ask you about your wife, Barbara. You know, I mentioned in the opening that you were a great husband and father and friend, and I see that she just had an operation. So tell us what's going on with all that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for the great husband. I'm glad she could hear that from somebody else rather than me. So it's uh <laughs> But anyway, she, she had a knee replacement surgery done uh, September 30th, and she needs to have both knees done. So she had the left knee done, and the right one's feeling halfway decent. But uh, at this time, everything is going well. She's working hard at it. Uh, she hasn't taken anything but Tylenol, and so she did none of the narcotics. And uh, she goes through the exercises and stuff, and she's, uh, she bowls her way through things. And once she's determined to do something, she gets it done. She is one strong wife. I know that for a fact. I've dealt with her in the past on a few things, and she's just wonderful, you know. And on the subject of Barbara, I want to mention your great website, uh, of which she takes care of. 
So tell our listeners how to get there, okay? Well, it's just my name, B-I-L-L-S-P-I-G-N-E-R at AOL.com. Oh, wait a second. Yeah, that's my uh, email address. Okay. So Well, it's at BillSpeigner.com. I'm sorry. Uh, BillSpeigner.com is a website. Uh, and she, the website is 100% her. And she does everything, and I contribute what she wants me to write about and stuff, which uh, is pretty good. And uh, so it's, it's a wonderful site and, you know, putting all my old writings on there and everything else. And uh, so there's a lot of material there and a lot of stuff that I wrote 25, 30 years ago is still relevant today. Although there's some different parts to it that might not be, but overall, you know, the game really hasn't changed that much. Uh, it's still 60 feet to the head pin and you got to hit the head pin and the strike and you got to get there at the right angle. So that's never changed. <laughs> well, yeah, she does a wonderful job. It's a great looking site. It's all in color. And like I say, I go there at least once a week. I want to catch up on what's going on. And uh, we're going to repeat that address one more time at the end of the show. Because I want people bombarding that site to, to learn as much as they can. Okay. I have a few questions that are kind of unique because they're coming from another world-class coach. He goes by the name of Guru. And I'm sure you know who he is. And his first question is, other than coaching your son, Robbie, what were the motivating and principal reasons for you to become a world-class coach? Well, that's a tough question. You know, it wasn't so much coaching my son, Robbie. I was very fortunate back in the day. And bowling on the fall tour, we used to go to Freddie Borden's Eastgate Lanes and hang out there and bowl, and Freddie treated us all greatly and uh, helped everybody out. <clears throat> and Don Johnson was there, and George Pappas, and Frank Ellenberg, and Sandy Finkelstein, and you know, the list goes on. And so early on then, Don Johnson ran a clinic outside of Akron and invited me to be a participant in the clinic, and I did. And then he ran another one in Miami in conjunction with the winter tour there, and I believe we were bowling at Bird Bowl at that time, or it might have been Tamarack, probably Tamarack. I think that was the first time I was down there in Don Carter's new place. And it was at a separate bowling center, and he again asked me to be part of it and the teaching part of it, and I did that. And so my first exposure to, to teaching was with those guys, and, you know, that's an influence I got. And so it was Don Johnson and Fred Borden. And I have to throw Larry Lobb in there, too, a little bit, because Larry used to videotape himself, and I go practice with him occasionally, and he gets his camera out and everything else, and look at it, and he starts talking about my timing's late, and this is not right. And, you know, I didn't know what he was talking about, but I knew what things looked like when throwing a bowling ball. And so I bought myself a whole outfit in 1977, a camera, a tape deck, and a TV, and I'd lug it to the bowling centers, and I started uh, doing myself and then friends and stuff like that. So I started cutting my teeth on using video and I would video all the TV shows and I would go over them. And back then, you know, we were kind of like, I, would say, I wouldn't say the dark ages because you had the Richters, the Bonettas, the Johnsons, the Bordens and stuff. Great, great coaches that were the forerunners of what we have today. And I was looking at, you know, people bowl and I, 
you know what looks right, but you don't know how to explain it. And the thing that really got me started in really exploring deeper was Don Johnson's summer bowling camps. And I was talking to Don, and he hired me to be an, uh, an assistant pro one summer up in Sheboygan, Michigan, Sheboygan, uh, Wisconsin. And they had a manual there, and the manual was very extensive. And so I'm reading through the manual. I don't even know what I'm reading, yet I'm out there trying to teach. But I kind of knew what it should look like. But anyways, then the next year, we started a campsite in Connecticut. So that, that manual, even to this day, I think a lot of people would be good to use that. But it's kind of a lot of it's lost in the archives of the sport. And I remember back when I was when they had the PTQs and the tour and I started to do this stuff and I look at all these bowlers and I say, man, most of these PTQ players would benefit greatly going to the camp. And you taught at those camps too, Lenny, if I remember correct. Yeah, and, I was involved you know, in a couple of them, yep. Yeah, and the manual is just phenomenal. And then you had Sam Baca there and, you know, the, the knowledge was just incredible. So that's kind of the uh, short, long story about how I got into teaching. And quite honestly, I was never, never thought about being a world-class coach. Just like I never thought about being a world-class bowler, I just wanted to bowl. And I just wanted to coach. And I, the more I got into it, and the more I kept doing stuff, and then getting involved with writing, and writing uh, expanded that tremendously because now I have to write about what I see. And I, had, I did an article for uh, Bowling Digest for 21 years. I had an article in every magazine they had. And my, my article was fashioned after Mike McGrath's article in Bowler's uh, Journal, you know, question and answer thing. And when I presented that to Mike Herbert, who was the editor at the time, and we were meeting with him, and actually it was my wife Barb that was meeting with him because she was a photographer and she was going to be taking pictures on the tour. And so I said to Mike, he said, I'd like to write an article. He said, yeah, that's good. We're going to have a different pro every month. And I said, no. I'm going to write a monthly article, a Q&A, and he says, well, we never thought about that before. And then they, he agreed to do that, and so I wrote months and months and months on end, and the exploration of writing about something and how do you say it to people that they can understand it, it, it taught me an awful lot about teaching. So, you know, that was, a, that was a gift that I'll never forget. And I have no idea why I asked him to do that. It just popped up, and I did it. <laughs> well, you know, that was two of the best, uh, Freddie Borden and, and Don Johnson. And uh, I, as you know, uh, nobody bowled any better ever than Don Johnson, and he is sorely missed. You know, uh, I'm, I'm looking at all the questions I've got. I want to do two shows with you. Can you come back next week for part two? Sure. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, sure. I don't want to cut any of these questions short because uh, you are a world-class coach, very well-respected. you got a lot of knowledge to pass along. And here's my next question that comes from the guru. He says, you've coached hundreds, if not thousands of bowlers. Probably hard for you to answer, but which of your students was the easiest to coach and why? Well, that's hard to say. I think 
you know, the variety of people I coach and teach, you know, just starts at the rawest beginners all the way up to the most advanced professionals that's had the opportunity. The, the easiest ones were sometimes are the ones with a clean slate. And you're just adding to what they have. They have very many people that uh, even they get to a decent level, they don't know why they got there. And so what happens is, you know, people will get better just bowling and kind of imitating, but they never knew what they looked like. They never knew why things worked. And they would, I, people would come up, you know, they get to 200 average level and then all of a sudden it crashes and they're averaging 170 and they have no idea, but they had no idea what got them to 200. It was just repetition and bowling on one condition with one bowling ball and then when the game evolved with the equipment and lane play and stuff like that, being uh, that everything changed faster when you bowled and you had to be more on top of it, you had to know equipment. You know, those people, you know, sometimes they're the easiest to coach and sometimes they're the hardest because they have a preconceived notion of what they did and they always remember back to what they were when they were the best. But again, they had no idea how they got there. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's a good, that's a great answer. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so it's it, it, it's kind of a mixed bag, and then the questions are you know there's a lot of tentacles to these questions. This question, you know, it can go out in a lot of different directions. But the hard part is is people don't know what they don't know, <laughs> and, and the more you know, the more you understand. You don't know what you don't know because <laughs> there's more things trying to add to it, and that's been the kind of the coaching thing. I'm. I'm 73. I've been coaching professionally since 1979 and never took time off, and I'm still learning. So, you know, you got to realize that if you're still learning after all this time, it, it's a never-ending learning process or relearning. And, you know, and fortunately, we got a lot, a lot of really good coaches out there. But, but anyways, the, the, the hardest ones sometimes are the people that, go all over the place to, de to find answers. And they're experimenting with different things. They'll read on the internet and watch the YouTube videos and stuff. And they say, okay, I got to get my hand inside the ball and get way underneath it and stuff. And yet they don't know what they're doing to begin with. So they don't know if they're already doing this or not. And then, you know, some textbooks start coming up. I'll say, well, we got to do this. And, said, well, and then they'll say, what about this? Well, I said, well, you kind of hired me to tell you what to do. Now you're questioning what I'm asking you to do. So <laughs> we got to make a decision there where we're going to go. You're going you're gonna to follow what I say because I can't say it all at once, but I have to have a process to go through to get to what complements your game the best, the way your physical makeup is, not the way somebody else bowls. So those scientists ones. You know, you mentioned something earlier. I'm still laughing about it because I've done a little coaching, not near what you have, and I know this for a fact for myself. You people don't know have any idea what they look like. As a matter of fact, when I first started bowling uh, seriously, I thought I looked like Jim Stefanich. <laughs> I saw myself yeah. on tape. I looked like Lurch. You know, I wasn't even close to Stefanich. I know. Well, that brings up an interesting point. When I was a kid bowling, learning how to bowl, I would imitate what other people looked like, and I would try to look bowl like they looked. 
So it's mental imagery. And what you just did there too, which is a very important thing, but you develop a feel for certain things by doing that. And I did that too. I mean, that's, and then when you start looking at a video, you say, whoa. And so I'll, I'll say to my students, I said, you know, we got this video. I said, you're not going to be afraid of looking at your video, are you? And, and they'll say, no. And I said, well, it's not going to be a nightmare. It might be look pr pretty good. So <laughs> you try to get them a little loose that way because, you know, it, it gets intimidating. Like a student comes in. A lot of times it's a last resort for them because they're they're frustrated as hell and they're not bowling well. They don't know why and they don't know what the answers are. And they're exploring all these answers all over the place and they don't know how to put the pieces of the puzzle together. So it, it, it's intimidating and then people are afraid. And they're going into the unknown. They come to me for a lesson. They don't really know who I am. They don't know the background and they hear horror stories from other people. I got a lesson from this person. It's terrible. I got a lesson from this one. And, you know, it's so, it's a very intimidating thing to come in to get a private lesson. So, you know, and I know that. And so I try to be the right person for that person at that time, but uh, it's not easy. It's not easy sometimes. That's so what, sure. one, one, just one quick thing, you know, you said, who was the hardest one to coach? That was part of that question, correct? Yeah, that's part two. Um, I, I think he kind of meant, uh, some well-known players that you've worked with in the past, uh, as far as the easiest to help and the hardest to help. I never really had lots of time with players. Uh, you know, when you get to that skill level and they're a professional, professional bowler and they already pretty much know their game and how to play it. So you, the, 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 the questions become smaller and they're simpler. They're not looking to redesign their game. I remember Randy Peterson, he came at the Hawthorne one night, and uh, and he said, you know, I'm having trouble. So I looked at him, and I said two things, and he said, that's good. I, I feel much better. I walked away. And so it's like it's like being a quick coach. They're yeah. not there. You don't need somebody. I shot after shot after shot after shot. That's somebody like Billy Hall, when he was on tour with the Dukes and the Vosses and those guys and Wiseman's, he was sitting there all night long and they're all exploring their games and he's watching them and going through the exploration stages with them shot by shot. So he had the time to do that. I've never, I never had that. And I never did that. You know, like a Tom Chorus, he'd be out there on tour watching the guys bowl endlessly or a John Jowdy and, and, and spend a lot of time with them off the, off the tour, bowling at another bowling center or something, and very isolated. I never did that, and I have helped people out, but I got to be—you got to be very, very cautious, especially at that skill level, and giving information to somebody that's un unsolicited, especially. Uh, but you know, I've had chances. People that came to me, it was always pretty easy because it became an explanation of what they're doing and why, and then what are the little things they can do to make it better. But it becomes an education of who they are. And that's, that's my teaching, I guess my methodology, is I want to teach people, and I do teach people, of who they are and why it works and the things they can and can't do to complement what their game is. So it's, uh, it's hard. So for a high school player, one of the hardest ones to ever coach, and you brought him up earlier with my son. 
my son Robbie, my oldest son. My younger son Jimmy was uh, uh, five years younger, but you know when he was a youth bowling, you know, we'd go to tournaments and stuff. And if I wanted to say something to him about what he's doing, he said, "Well, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want any help right now." Okay. Well, then game later, he said, "Well, I need some help." I said, "Okay, I'll give him some help." And then a little later, he tried to help him, and he says, I, I, I just want you to be my dad and watch me. You know? And then, so you get to the point, you don't know what hat to wear. And this <laughs> is just for parents. Yes, yeah. You don't know what hat to wear. Do you want to be the coach, the shoulder to cry on, the cheerleader, or just, it's, it's you don't know what to do. And a lot of parents get very involved with their kids, and they, and they overdo it with their kids when they're playing and they're interjecting things on every single ball, and you can't overcoach it because the athlete has to feel it themselves. And you being a high-skilled athlete, you know what it's like. You can't have somebody coach everything you do because it's 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 physically and you know football like you played is in it's fast, and and you're thinking on your feet, but you can't be coached to think on your feet. And the same thing with bowling. When you're out there in the lanes, you got you got you the ball in the lane. And you being your physical game and your emotions, the lane being the oil and the topography, and then the balls being so varied, which one do you choose that's <laughs> that's wrong if things are going wrong? So, and the, that's the exploration process that that a bowler has to go through. And the more they go through that, and the more they understand it, the easier they actually become the coach because becomes smaller. And that's the professional level. It's a tough job, no question about it. You know, um, there's so many things that happened when we were on the road, and, and I want to take a break here to talk about uh, one of our sponsors. But if you can think about some kind of a quick story, when I get done with this ad I'm going to give, maybe you can tell the story before we have to wrap up. But uh, Phantom fans, we have a special announcement to make, so get your pencils and paper ready. Here's your chance to get a one-of-a-kind souvenir. It's a brand-new Glenn Allison 900 shirt, and you can enjoy a discount from Phantom Radio. And the 900 shirt has an image of Glenn on it, and it says, 900, I did it. So call his friend and manager, Jerry Hale, to order it at 714-309-7587 and be the first in your area to get this historic souvenir shirt. So call Jerry at 714-309-7587 and be sure to mention Phantom Radio for your discount. All right, I kind of snuck up on you to see if you can tell us a little quick story about something funny that happened on the road because you are the top guy right now because in our surveys, the, what they really want to hear on our show are bowling tips, and stories about the tour. So there's nobody better to give us tips than you. And I'm sure you remember something funny that happened. You got something? Well, kind of. Yeah, it's, uh, I've never been a great storyteller. You know, I leave that to Larry. You know, he's the <laughs> best there for Johnny Patrack. And it must be a left-handed thing. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like with, with coaching and stuff and teaching and I remember bowling tour stop in Peoria early on. I remember they had the rabbit squads where guys had to bowl on Monday and there was limited spots available. And it was hard to get in the tournament. 
because there were so many people that wanted to bowl. So anyways, I'm crossing with this guy. He bowled really good in the PTQ. I think he might have let it. And, and no names involved. Keep, keep them uh, from being a problem. But anyways, <laughs> we, we bowling, and he bowled terrible. And he says, I wish I never made the PTQ. And I said, you're going to regret that saying that. Well, he never made another PTQ when he went home. So, you know, you kind of like put the negative thought in there, and that's kind of the mental side of the game, is that, you know, people all the time, they bowl a bad game, they feel embarrassed. I said, never feel embarrassed. You put your shoes on and bowled the game, that didn't go well, but the next game might be different. And even if somebody bowls a tournament, they go out there and bowl a tournament, and they bowl bad, and they say, I embarrass myself. I said, you never embarrass yourself. And you had guts enough to put your shoes on to go out there to perform in front of other people and with other people at a higher skill level. And all you can do is learn by the experience. And that's why I, I, I kind of always remember that little thing that happened at that PBA tour stop. And, you know, you just can never be embarrassed. And uh you know, I've had a lot of physical problems with my back and stuff and didn't bowl for a long time. And at the USBC and the team event three years ago, I bowled 116 my last game. Oh, boy. And I looked up at the scoreboard after, and I'm sitting there standing there in shock and tears up in my eyes. And I had my sons pat me on the back and my teammates. I said, it's okay. The next day it was fine. You know, but, but it was kind of – it happened. So you never know – what you're going to get out of something bad, like Tom Doherty bowled that 100 game, it was probably the best 100 game that I was ever bowled in the history of bowling. That was yeah. so much fun to watch, how he handled <laughs> it. So you know, just, just, just for people, you know, you just you put your shoes on, you have guts enough to do it, get out there and perform and learn by what happens that's not positive sometimes. And the positives, the negative stuff, a lot of times leads to positive stuff because we learn by it. Why, for sure. Good stuff, Bards. Fantastic. So I'm going to be getting a hold of you in the next couple of days. We'll line up next week's show. Uh, what a privilege to have you on twice in a row, Pards. But the old clock on the wall tells us we got to go. So Phantom fans, the old clock says we're out of time, and we look forward to talking to Bill again next week. So we want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling and Brad Edelman at the High Roller. Also Dave Kowalski, the bowling guru, from Michigan, who just got inducted into the Coaches Hall of Fame up there. So congratulations to Dave from Phantom Radio. This is the Phantom. When you're down and troubled And you need some love and care And nothing, well, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me, and soon I...